0: What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Type of Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast.
1: What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 22nd episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to talk about 10 stats to know for 2021. This includes interesting numbers for guys like Antonio Brown, Miles Gaskin, Deontay Johnson, and why their stats help us believe in them, or maybe you want to fade them at their current ADP because of these stats. Joining me today to help me break this all down is a man who used to write 250-plus articles per season at PFF and is a known master of advanced statistics. He is also the author of other popular article series, such as 96 Stats to Know and the Bell Cow Report. He is one of the best beards in the fantasy football industry, the director and co-owner of Dank Stats at Fantasy Points, with over 68,000 followers on Twitter. He is Scott Barrett. What's going on, Scott?
0: Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me on. That That was a great, very flowery, flattering introduction. Thanks for that.
1: No, absolutely. Well, before we get into it today, so recently... The reason we weren't able to record a couple weeks ago was you went on this super cool road trip. I've been looking at your Instagram stories, and it's been pretty cool. So, how far did you travel? What were the best parts of the trip? I mean, tell tell me all of it.
0: Yeah, so I, I was the best man at my cousin's wedding back in New Jersey. I live in Houston, so I really, uh, you know, just had to had to go there. And I hadn't been back to New Jersey in I don't know two years. Uh, just because of COVID and a bunch of other stuff so uh, you know obviously I had a bunch of family members and friends who wanted to get a piece of me so I had to get have my car with me I didn't want to just like rent a car for over a week Uh, but yeah so initially the plan was to go to Boise it's just I, I don't know why it's like every single person I've ever met who lived in Boise or visited Boise talks about it like Mecca like eden and it's just like like really like Bo- boise idaho so like I, I was just like i have to check it out people said the same thing about buffalo and i had like the the funnest time in buffalo um anyway so the plan was to go to boise idaho uh i drove up all the way out west from houston to, to marfa texas and like te- people forget how massive texas is like that alone was you know like you know, ten hours or nine hours, whatever it was. Wow. Marfa is like a, a, a cute little artsy town. It was fine, and then from there, I went to uh, Roswell, New Mexico, and, and Albuquerque. I wanted to check out the uh, the UFO museum. That was that was kind of fun. And then I'm driving all the way up to Salt Lake City, and then Boise. And I just I just like I was like, ah, I, I don't want to rush back for the wedding. I was going to have to do, you know, like at least eight hours a, a day. Uh, of just straight driving, not including stops. so uh, wow. about halfway through, I bailed and I just I just booked it and I, I had some fun stops. I liked um, Kansas City a lot. I liked Indianapolis, I liked St. Louis. Um, although uh, I was like ten feet away from my first ever drive by in Kansas City. that was kind of drive that was by. kind of unique and I don't know alarming. Uh, and then just I had the road trip back to Houston. I was just like so sick of, you know, living out of my my uh, uh, suitcase that uh, I really, really booked it. I, I went to on the way back, I went to uh, uh, I stopped in some you know middle of nowhere Virginia college town. and then uh, I went to birmingham and and Tuscaloosa. That was a lot of fun. and then just straight to to Houston the last day, and that was kind of my road trip. But I, I, I hate it. I kind of hated it. Just like I kept having nightmares that, you know, nightmares of, you know, uh, you had this math class all year and you never went to it once and it's the final and you're going to get a D. And it's just like I can't not be a workaholic. So no. so that that was the, the, the longest I've taken off of work in a, in a really
1: long time. That's awesome. No, I, I'm sure that's got to be pretty rewarding in a way. I don't I'm sure it's probably like a culture shock in a way. I mean, like you said, I was just reading off 250 plus articles a year. I mean, that's pretty, pretty ridiculous. But I mean, it's super impressive, and I'm glad you got to enjoy that trip. Another thing that I'm, I'm starting to enjoy a little bit more is is AJ Brown. Give me your first stat on AJ hey. Brown. I mean, he's someone I'm starting to fall onto even more, even after the Julio Jones trade.
0: Yeah. So I, I do 96 stats every year. It's one of my biggest articles. So I, I was a little. I guess I don't know, tough toughen you. I made you pick out the the top ten or my top the top stats from recent articles. And this is one you picked out. This was uh, so AJ Brown uh, last season. He ranked 25th among wide receivers in expected fantasy points per game, but eighth in fantasy points per game. And so uh, his differential, 4.0 fantasy points per game, ranked fourth behind uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Will Fuller. And so the year before that, it's the same exact trend. He actually ranked second best in differential and it was like wide receiver, low end wide receiver, three levels of volume. And it was again, you know, like high end wide receiver, two levels of production. And so if you combine them over the the past two seasons, like far and away one of the top three wide receivers by differential. And so you, you can argue this one of two ways and, and, this is where we get murky with things like expected fantasy points per game and efficiency metrics. Is either you could say, so like a 4.0 differential, which he had in consecutive seasons, is super outlierish. It almost never happens. And when it does happen, it tends to regress to the mean the following season, except in very rare and unique circumstances like Tyreek Hill. Yep. He's done it in, I don't know, three of four seasons. And so, so that's what it is. Either A.J. Brown is already one of the five best wide receivers in football, and it's not particularly close, or he's due for a massive regression this season. I'm inclined to think he's just one of the best wide receivers in football. And, you know, adding Julio Jones, I really don't see that dinging him in target volume too much because he's already, you know, room to grow. And then arguably having Julio Jones, one of the best wide receivers in football, opposite him, should help the efficiency. Uh, I mean, I'm probably not buying him at his current ADP, but I, I mean, I, I think I think it's, it's certainly warranted a mid-wide receiver yeah. one expectation. I, abs-
1: I absolutely love the player, and I think the ADP is a little bit high for me. And that's usually the range where I'd probably try to lean more towards running backs because I think it's really e- – not easy, but – it's a lot easier to find wide receiver depth later in the draft. So he's not someone I have a ton of shares of, but I love the player. And like you said, I mean, three of their top five target getters are out of this offense, so I don't think Julio Jones is all of a sudden going to cap his production. And A.J. Brown only averaged 7.6 targets a game last year. It's not like he's averaging crazy targets and he needs that to, um, to measure up. But I think if you're familiar with Matt Harmon's reception perception, how he grades, how guys get open, A.J. Brown just posted a top 10 mark in reception perception history and beating man coverage. I mean, it's just absolutely elite. Um, I really like A.J. Brown. Um, I think the ADP is a little bit tough, but I think the the talent is absolutely insane. I think I'll probably buy more Julio Jones right now. Um, But the next stat that I have um, is about the 49ers. I recently saw this the other day. And so like I was saying, um, the, the next, the first stat that I have is the 49ers running backs. This is pretty absurd to me. So since 2017, Guess how many running backs there have been with exactly 180 touches or more? That's only 11 11 or 12 touches a game over a 16-game schedule, and the answer to that is zero. I like Raheem Mostert. I think when he plays, he's a solid talent. I think there's some other guys that are there that are intriguing, but maybe it's the hot hand approach. Maybe it's injuries. It could be a lot of different things, but the fact is at the end of the day, over the last four seasons, really since Kyle Shanahan has been there, there has not been a single running back that has had at least 180 touches and I think that Raheem Mostert's worth a flyer. Any of those other guys you can make an argument for. But at the end of the day, no one's done it. And I think because of that and the fact that this has always been a hot hand backfield the last couple of years for a number of reasons, um, I think I'm going to stay away from 49ers running backs right now. Are you, are you on that same wavelength or are you more into a certain back?
0: yeah so so what's interesting about that sad is over the past three seasons the team has ranked top six in team running back rush attempts so there is a lot of volume and it speaks to if you know kyle shanahan can just single out one guy and give him the the bell cow or the work horse role it would be super valuable for fantasy but i mean people have chased that for a number of years alf morris I mean what did what has he done post kyle shanahan nothing, nothing. but with kyle shanahan he was one of the m- most valuable running backs in fantasy despite never seeing any target volume uh could trey sermon be that guy could a healthy raheem mostert be that guy maybe i mean Shanahanigans, like that's been a phrase since <laughs> you know since mike shanahan in like the 19 early 1990s of fantasy where you know for, it, He'll just ride that hot hand where a guy has you know three straight 100 rushing yard games, then he'll go to the third stringer randomly. And it's like, oh, this guy looked better in practice. I mean, it's tough to say. It's just, but d- does he want a committee or has that been a function of of injuries? Um, really, it comes down to like a function of price. Where, yeah, at his price, I'll gamble on a Raheem mustard. I was gambling on a Trey Sermon, but probably not where it's rising to now.
1: Yeah, no, it's I, just a
0: I, it's just a risk reward kind of thing
1: and Yeah, I think that being said, I think that like one of the guys that I mean Raheem, if you believe in Raheem Mostert or Mostert, however you want to say, I think that's that's fine. But I think for me I'd rather invest in someone like a Trey Sermon or even like a Wayne Gallman or someone crazy like that because they're just so much cheaper. And if those guys don't work out, you're not paying as much in draft capital and you don't have to worry. I'd just rather take less risk at that point for where he Raheem Mostert's going. Um,
0: yeah. I, I so I think I think Master's it's great for best ball. I think yep, he's not really in play for re- redraft, yep. and like that, that's an important distinction. And it goes back to, you know, trying to predict Kyle Shanahan week to week. Good luck.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. But what about Miles Gaskin? Miles Gaskin, a guy that not only from your articles but in my own research, Miles Gaskin's a guy that's very, very interesting. And I think you found some pretty, pretty interesting findings on Miles Gaskin. Can you tell me about that?
0: Yeah, so uh, the stat was from week five until the end of the season last year, Miles Gaskin averaged 15.7 carries, 4.5 targets, 19.7 fantasy points, 18.0 XFP per game on a 69% snap share. And uh, I actually forget which which article this is from, but uh, uh, you, you have it listed as ADP RB24, but if you look at those stats, it was like, okay, top five in XFP per game, top five in fantasy points per game, top seven in Snapshare. And uh, him and Mike Davis are extremely intriguing to me because I am very much a volume chaser at running back. I chase volume. If if you're not good at, like, considered good at the running back position, like a high-end, I don't care as long as you're getting high-end uh, running back volume. And I see that from Gaskin. I see that from Davis. I mean obviously, because you're less talented, there's a chance, you know, you're not going to maintain that bell cow volume, but at an ADP of RB24, I'm just going to gamble on that almost every single time.
1: No, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, I think this receiving numbers are pretty interesting. And I know PFF had had him rated as one of like the top five best receiving backs in the NFL last year. And I mean, as you know, fantasy points are worth point, 2.67 more on a target than a rush. So he's getting the targets. He's already getting the volume, like you saw from week five on. I think that his upside could be pretty ridiculous. Um, I love him and Mike Davis, where they're going right now. I think that they could be really good values this year. But a guy I don't think is a good value at all is Robert Tunyon. I just don't understand. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers could be there. But I mean, last year, my stat is that fact that Robert Tunyon had 3.7 targets per game last year. He was a great tight end, but he averaged 3.7 targets per game. And on 59 total targets for the season, he had 11 touchdowns. I mean, and he was the – like, it's not like at the end of the day that he was like this, like, super great receiver for the Packers. I mean, he was almost fourth on their team in, in targets. I mean, the Marquis foul scantling and Aaron Jones each had about 60 targets. It's not like that he is a big upside for other target volume. But the biggest thing for me is just his touchdown efficiency. He scored a touchdown every 5.4 targets last year, and for comparison – Travis Kelsey did it every 13.2 targets. Mark Andrews, 12.5. Darren Waller, 16.1. And the second best tight end that finishes a tight end one last year was Jonu Smith, who scored a touchdown every 8.2. So that, again, shows the efficiency of Robert Tunney, and I don't think that's sustainable. And I don't think the tight end targets are sustainable. So since 2013, the last thing I want to read off for you is Aaron Rodgers targets the tight end position for his tight end one that year. So since 2013, here are the targets. 63, 91, 38, 51, 85, 46, 53. There's just not a lot of target upside, I think, for that tight end position. He's notoriously not targeted them that much. And the fact that Amari Rodgers is coming in, I think that helps as well. But Aaron Rodgers isn't even coming back, it doesn't seem like at this point. Are you – please tell me you're out when Robert Tunyon. I, I really do not get it with him.
0: Yeah. So what I think is really interesting, and um, I was thinking about this like on my road trip somewhere in the middle of you know West Virginia. Uh, if, if you look at the the top scoring tight ends by fantasy points last year, it's Travis Kelsey number one, Darren Waller number two, Robert Tunyon number three, Logan Thomas number four. And so two, three, and four are all converted tight ends. Waller was a wide receiver. In college, Tunyon was a wide receiver in college. Uh, Logan Thomas was a quarterback in college. And this had me thinking about Jacob Harris, where it's um, okay, rookie tight ends tend not to be very productive uh, in their first year. It takes, there's a steep learning curve, it takes them some time. But by the same token, we have like a large sample of a bunch of, you know, non-tight ends dominating the position where it's like clearly athleticism matters more at this position than the wide receiver position that's everything my you know spork uh analysis spoke to as well where athleticism is massive so this is just like a reason to be high on i think jacob harris um long term for dynasty but yeah Tunyon broke out to me like very early on just from the tape uh, maybe his his numbers beyond the touchdowns weren't anything special, but uh, I talked to one of my go to tape experts, and he's like, "This guy looks awesome. He looks incredible out there on the field. I don't know why he doesn't get more targets." Um, I did have uh, a, a decent exposure to him in baseball, just because. All right, you know he's going to score those touchdowns, which are very va- valuable, but it's going to be yeah. tough week to week, and you know the tar- lack of target volume uh, leaves me nervous. So yeah. Um, like him more in best ball, not high priority in redraft though. If he broke out, it really wouldn't shock me. And then you factor in the the uncertainty with regard to Aaron Rodgers, and I I, I do think that's pretty serious stuff. Um, he's he's not super high on my radar uh, radar these days.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And I think again, I don't, I'm not a huge tape guy. I haven't gotten to watch a lot of tape in Robert Tunyon. So if they're saying that, maybe the numbers are lying to me, and it's just a lack of target volume, which is something that again could definitely increase. So I definitely could be wrong there. But I think for now, um, I'd rather target guys like Adam Troutman around that range or in redraft. I think this year more than ever, I feel like I'm leaning towards the top tier tight ends because I feel like it is turning into a wasteland lower as you go. And you have to just kind of hope that you hit on those guys. But the next guy I really want to talk about um, for people that listen to my podcast a lot, they know that this is a very pro Deontay Johnson podcast at the end of the day. And what better way to hype it up than have someone like Scott Barrett come on the podcast and talk him up. So I had to handpick this Deontay Johnson stat. Um, Sounds like you're in on Deontay Johnson as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, So here's the stat. Deontay Johnson saw double-digit targets in 11 of 12 games. The lone exception was week 17, the one game Ben Roethlisberger didn't play. And so over that span, including that game – he averaged 12.3 targets, 83 yards, 19.6 XFP, and 19.4 fantasy points per game. So if over the full season, those numbers would have ranked best, eighth, second, and fourth best. Uh, so, and, and best in targets by per game by uh, 1.7 more than the next closest. Again, second in XFP per game, fourth in fantasy points per game. And so his... ADP right now is wide receiver twenty two, and just like that is just the most simple math I think you can come up with. Yep. Where okay, just exclude the injury games because remember he had multiple injuries where he got hurt in the first quarter.
1: Yep, exactly. And so
0: that that's what this this stat is doing. It's stripping out all of those those games. He's fourth in fantasy points per game, and his ADP is wide receiver twenty two. So I mean that that just seems like very obvious. Logical, simple math, smash value. And, and that's how I view him.
1: Yeah, but I, I love him as well. And again, even if you take out, like, if you include the week 14 game that he played or some of those other games, he missed some snaps. After week five, from week six on, he was the wide receiver seven and a half PPR, which is ridiculous. And then again, like mm-hmm. going back to reception perception, he posted a 96 percentile mark in reception perception history. And the highest mark you can get is 100%. So over the last six or seven years, he had one of the best. I mean, seasons ever in beating both man, zone, press, double teams—you name it—he was absolutely awesome. I mean, obviously, Big Ben loves him, and I think the fact that their win total has gone down—I think it was from about—I mean, they had twelve wins last year, and Vegas has them about eight or eight and a half right now. I mean, I think that could speak to more passing volume, but that could also be not a belief in Big Ben. So it's kind of how you look at that um, at the end of the day. But Deontay, how high would you be willing to draft Deontay Johnson and redraft right now?
0: Um. I mean i don't know that's 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 a tough question to answer i just know that you know every every player is you know price dependent and like this one is just easy like there's there's a lot of wiggle room to get to the point where okay now i'm 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 wondering if i should favor a different player but right now he is looking like a, a sort of circle your your draft player i i will say i know and i think in ffpc his adp is a lot higher They're, they tend to be a lot sharper than you know, best ball, 10 ADP, which is what I think what I referenced.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, no, but I, I absolutely love him. But the, the guy that I'm, I'm starting to lose a little bit of love for, but I, this is purely in a fantasy world because you can see I have to, two Tom Brady jerseys behind me on my screen for those of you that can't see it. But Tom Brady is a guy that I'm starting to be off of in fantasy a little bit in redraft leagues because, again, I think if you're drafting guys around QB10, QB11, you want guys for you that are going to win your league. And I'd much rather draft the Jalen Hurts than a Tom Brady every single day of the week. I mean, Tom Brady last year finished the QB eight. That's after throwing 40 touchdowns, which is the second most of his entire career. And then he threw for 4,600 passing yards, which is the second most since 2013. Um, And then, I mean, obviously he has no rushing upside a cap ceiling. So unless this year, okay. Yes, they added, I mean, Gio Bernard, they're going to get OJ Howard back, but if you're saying to me, okay, Alex, he's going to throw 50 touchdowns this year, that's the only way that Tom Brady is going to really win you your league at that spot, and if you're just looking for consistency at the end of your draft, you want someone that's going to hit for you, I understand that, but in redraft leagues, I'd much rather go for someone like a Jalen Hurts or even a Ryan Tannehill that I think has more league winning upside than Tom Brady does at this point in his career, especially when he's going to be 44, and I mean, Max Kellerman is four or five years off now, but. You know, the cliff is always coming for a quarterback. Is it this year? I don't know. I just don't like him at his value, especially when, as we saw last year, he was amazing, and he only finishes the QB eight. And I just think that shows how much the rushing upside, not having that can really kill you. Um, are you in on Tom Brady?
0: No, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, Andy Holloway of the uh, Fantasy Footballers tweeted out, you know, like people who draft – Jalen Hurts over Tom Brady should be shot. And it's just like, I am just so firmly in the Hurts over Brady camp. I I loved Brady last year. He was my most owned quarterback and my number one quarterback target last year. And he was fine. I mean, like he, he won the Super Bowl. I mean, the team was smashing. And from a fantasy perspective, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, outscored him was another one of my my big target and it's just like you're at such a disadvantage when you can't run uh and quarterback is such a position where i want to swing for the fences uh because you can you you have so many chances like justin herbert you got off of waivers ryan Tannehill, you got off of waivers and there's at least there's like three of those guys every single year not to mention if you stream the position you could cobble together qb7 qb8 levels of production which is what you're going to get from tom brady anyway um it's it, it, it was weird because like everyone was like oh he's cooked he's cooked he's cooked last year and now this year it's oh he's the goat he's the goat he's the goat so i i instinctively you know just want to take the, the opposite opinion of the of the fields whenever i can and that's kind of what i'm doing this year with brady
1: yeah no i'm i'm in the same way i mean there's
0: also a lot of quarterbacks i really like who are a lot cheaper too that's part of it
1: yeah absolutely are there, are there any name drops you can give that are going below tom brady in drafts right now that you're liking like you said justin herbert was a guy you got off of waivers are there any guys like maybe like a, a daniel jones or a cam newton or anyone that is intriguing for you in the later rounds
0: yeah jalen hurts trey lance oh yeah. Uh, a non a non-konami guide guy i like a lot is is matthew stafford but uh I, again, like I, there, are, my typical strategy was always like be one of the last guys to draft a quarterback. That's changed in recent years, but I, I, I do like drafting Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill uh, because you know Taysom has that Konami code upside, and then Jameis, I mean, we we've seen seen him do it before, just on volume, and uh, you know maybe Sean Payton, you know, QB whisper. Yeah. It it wouldn't shock me if maybe Drew Brees was holding the offense back a little bit i think maybe you know maybe not but uh you know let's say Jameis winston gets in there the you know take the wheel the training wheels off and you know this offensive juggernaut like we've seen you know just like four years ago um but i mean those guys are free so so there's a lot of again quarterbacks a devalued position even in the konami code era but uh part of the reason is I mean there's just like a lot of cheap guys to like and I like all those guys
1: yep no I I, I'm in complete agreement I think and I just rather go for those guys that have the rushing upside because I think their ceiling is so much there more than some of the guys that aren't um hence why that's where we're a little bit off of Tom Brady right now but another guy I mean one of the things I actually want to go back to a little bit leading into the next stat is like you talked about with Robert Tunyon or some other guys how much athleticism matters um in the article that you wrote and Mike Gusecki is one of those guys that has a ton of athleticism so like I think that you, have, you found something pretty interesting with Mike Gusecki, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on, I mean, the stat alone and the fact that, like, do you think Mike Gasecki could be an, a very intriguing player next year because of his athleticism, because of his potential role, even though there's a lot of competition in that back in that receiving core next year?
0: Yeah, you know, that's a great point. That's a great – I just talked about the importance of athleticism for tight ends, but I just instinctively don't like Gusecki. I've never liked Gusecki. I'm like, I don't want to draft Gusecki. Uh, But here's the stat. He averaged 15.6 fantasy points per game over his final five games, but only 8.1 to start the year. Um, That's encouraging for his prospects in 2021, as is the fact that he was Tua Tagovailoa's most targeted receiver in games active, 16.3% target share. Uh, But, I mean, there's also a lot more target competition on Miami this year, tight end 11 by ADP. And yeah, I, I'm not drafting him. I don't really like him. Sometimes with these articles, you know, it's just like I have to make a bull case, come up with a bull case scenario for a player. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really drafting him. Part of the reason is that's just like a super crowded uh, receiver room. I, again, I, I never really liked Jasicki. Even when he, in his hot stretch last year, I didn't really trust it. And it's like you, you have Waddle, you have Parker, you have Fuller. You know, why should Jasicki see? You know the level of targets he saw last year. No, I'm, I don't know. I'm but, with you. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm with you. At the end of the day, I mean, I think like the thing that it says in the the stat you have here is like over the last few games last year, when it was the final five games, when I mean they were playing with a trash can receiving core and they didn't have Jalen Waddle or Will Fuller to throw to. Mike Asicki only had a 16% target share. Then you add in someone as talented as Will Fuller. You add in the number six pick in the draft and Jalen Waddle how does that target share get better when it's not even that great to begin with? I mean, I, I was I wanted to talk about him because the guy I haven't been able to talk about much, and it looked like you may have an interesting take on him. But I think at the end of the day, when he's getting a 16% target share, when he's competing with Lynn Bowden for touches compared to someone like Will Fuller or Jalen Waddell, I mean, I just don't see the upside there. And he's going, I mean, as a borderline, he's going as a tight end one right now. So again, he's just a guy that I'm definitely off of this year. But another guy that's I'm so in on, so, so, so in on. Probably my favorite sleeper in all of fantasy right now um, is Antonio Brown. And my stat four is 18. And 18 is the position that Antonio Brown finished in PPR leagues from weeks 10 to 17 last year. So right now in underdog ADP, Antonio Brown is going as the wide receiver 45. That's after, like I just said, he was the wide receiver 18 in PPR. From weeks 10 to 17 and that's after not almost playing i mean that's after not really playing football for the full two seasons prior i mean he was 10th in pff receiving grade last year 15th in yards per route run and over the 11 games that antonio P- brown played for the bucks last year here was the target dis- distribution between their top three receivers godwin 78 targets mike Evans 77 targets antonio brown 76 targets and he is going 30 spots lower than both of them in fantasy right now. Antonio Brown has been a perennial top five wide receiver. I mean, of course he could do Antonio Brown things and potentially not be in the league, but he's done nothing but produce. And he did that last year after walking out of his basement. So, I mean, I, I think that I'm all in Antonio Brown. Am I missing something here?
0: I don't know, man. That that just made me happy because uh, in in one of my articles last year, I said like the best pick you can make in, in drafts is – Antonio Brown. And then even if you don't make it, just make sure you, you, you grab him in like week seven or week eight. And uh, yeah, that, that, that felt like a big miss to me because, you know, depending on obviously like how big your, your bench is, but, you know, holding him for that stretch. And then, you know, when he was on the field, it didn't seem like he gave you a lot. He wasn't the league winner. I, I thought he was, but I mean, the way you framed it, that, that definitely seems pretty great. Um, one concern is again, like that go-to tape expert I talked to told me he thought Brady went out of his way to target him just to keep him happy. And he thought that the team was actually better off without him, like the offense, you know, uh, seemed more efficient. It seemed in a better groove when Scotty Miller was on the field, bringing that, that, that deep speed. And Brown actually wasn't that great with the deep stuff. He's better at the uh, improv unscripted stuff, which you saw him work to perfection with Big Ben, but it like wasn't really working great with Brady. I mean, yeah, the way you frame it, the way you frame it, you know, ADP wide receiver 45, it's like best ball for sure. Like you you don't really lose anything there. Um, As far as being like an every week starter in a start sit league, you might need a Godwin injury. You might need an Evans injury. Uh, but, again, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue against wide receiver 45. And, like you said, the 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 volume the volume he got in games active, he was, you know, right there with Godwin. He was right there with Evans.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the reason I like him so much because I think the, it's so cheap to get him right now. And, again, if, again, where you're drafting him is around probably a little bit over pick 120 or so right now. He's going, I think, is pick 130, 135 right now. Um, in most leagues, and I think that's just a place where not a lot of guys that you draft in that range end up on your team at the end of the year. And the fact that he could, I think, is very intriguing um, and someone I like real. I mean, I, someone I like a lot. Um, but before we get into our last stat each, we're going to take a quick commercial break. So, Scott, Tyler Lockett over these last few episodes in the podcast is probably one of the most polarizing players. And I don't mean that is necessarily a good thing. Tyler Lockett, I think there is such a good case for him, a bad case for him. Um, and everything in between. But I'd like to hear your thoughts overall on Tyler Lockett right now. Um, I thought he was very inconsistent last year, but I think the thing is that's also interesting is the fact that he was still a top 18 wide receiver each of the last two years. But how do you think that his play last year will translate over to this year um, in this new offense?
0: Um, Yeah, so uh, here's the stat I have. Over the past two seasons, Tyler Lockett ranked seventh among wide receivers in total fantasy points, averaging 16.2. Uh, He played in 32 games, but scored 43% of his total fantasy points in just six of those games, three in each season. Uh, So 19% of his total games, uh, he scored 43% of his total fantasy points. That's crazy. And then outside of those games, he averages 10.9 fantasy points per game. So, you know, uh, on a week to week basis and starts it, um, you know, you started him, Minus the boom games, he was giving you like wide receiver 59 levels of production, something like that. So like really not good. And it was just those boom games, but you you get diminishing returns on those boom games. So, you know, Tyler Lockett scores 20 points. You know, you probably won your league. He scores 30 points. Yeah, you probably won your league scores 50 points. I mean, it doesn't really improve your your win percentage too much. And nothing encapsulates that better than wins above replacement fantasy war invented by um, Jeff at Stathol Sports. Uh, He's one of our writers. And so last season Lockett finished eighth in fantasy points per game, 11th or eighth in total fantasy points, 11th in fantasy points per game, but 18th in war. So that lack of consistency really hurt you. And because that was true both last year and the year before, wildly inconsistent, I, I sort of just think that's who I sort of just think think that's who he is and who he is going to be this year. I think I think DK Metcalf is not only going to be the alpha this year. I think he's going to be the far more consistent one. I think we're going to see something like him hit double digit fantasy points or twelve plus fantasy points in like nearly every single one of his games, um, and have a higher ceiling and and more fantasy points per game. Whereas Lockett's going to continue to be very boomer bust. I pulled up FFPC ADP. So Lockett's actually, you know, wide receiver 22 there. I thought Deontay would be a lot higher. He's wide receiver 23. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd, I much prefer Deontay. And part of that is for the consistency. Like I said, you know, double digit targets in 11 of 12 games, 11 of 11 with Ben Roethlisberger. So that's just another reason to favor, uh, uh, Deontay and, and, uh, you know, Lockett again, more valuable in best ball, but uh still shouldn't be drafted above Deontay in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um in like a Josh Josh Larkey, um, uh, he's the director of analytics for Roto Underworld and player profile. he made a pretty good case for Lockett, just the fact that the consistency wasn't there last year, but over the last two years before that he was still a top eighteen wide receiver each of those years. But I'm I'm with you. That's that's pre-DK Metcalf, who's only going to take over that offense. Tyler Lockett was like the wide receiver, won those years. So I think we're seeing inconsistency that's just going to be there because when you have it, When you're in an offense with someone like D.K. Metcalf, it really caps what you're able to do as a wide receiver, too. Um, Tyler Lockett actually out-targeted D.K. Metcalf last year, but I expect that to change this year. Um, I'm with you. I'd rather take someone like Deontay Johnson or even like a Brandon Ayuk that's going a few spots later that has a better schedule. I'd rather take him at this point than Tyler Lockett, so I'm totally with you there. But staying on the Seahawks theme, my my last big stat for the day is 38%. And that, Scott, is the percentage of running back snaps that Chris Carson played for the Seahawks last year. I just can't get enough of this guy. I mean, he's going as the wide receiver – sorry, the running back 18 right now in ADP. He was the running back 15 in 2018, running back 11 in 2019, the running back 17 in 12 games in 2020. I mean, all those numbers right there just speak to how good or how consistent he's been year over year. And like I said, he only played 38% of the total snaps last year. So even if Rashad Penny comes in and he's good or – Alex Collins, are you are you kidding me? Um, I think at the end of the day that Chris Carson's going to produce. And the thing is, like, he doesn't need the snaps to do it. I mean, I've talked about it over and over again, but he's played less than 60% of the snaps in 9 out of 12 games in 2020. And, again, he played in about 50.5% of the snaps of the games that he actually played in. And I don't think he's injury-prone. He's only missed seven games over the last three years. I think those concerns are overblown. But I obviously do understand the worry that, okay, are we going to get him for the fantasy playoffs? That's concerning. But – I don't think he's as injury-prone as people make him up to believe, and I just cannot stop talking about him. I think he's being drafted as absolute, at his absolute floor right now. Are you in on Chris Carson for redraft at least? Um, I don't know.
0: Pro- probably not. I really try and chase upside with the running back position and, and chase the bell cows. And I think it, Pete Carroll has just resigned himself to being, okay, We we want to be – uh, a, a running back by committee team. So I, I think he's a great high floor play, but that's just not typically my approach at the position.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a totally fair point. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. If you want to go for the upside, I totally get that. But I think he has a strong value at his floor. But like you said, can he really get you that much more when in the last three years he has not been in the top 10 in points per game? Then you could say, okay, I don't want to draft him for that reason. I get that. Um, and I'm actually happy to hear that. Because I've gotten bagged on a little bit in the last few podcasts because usually in general with players, especially running backs, I'm a guy that's going to chase upside. I don't want to go for someone like a Nick Chubb or a Jonathan Taylor as much because those guys just have capped upside because I don't think they're total bell cows in their offense. And I'd rather take a Joe Mixon or even like a Cam Akers that I believe is going to be a workhorse in that offense. So I'm totally with you. Um, But my last question for you before we get out of here today my favorite question on the podcast—I say it every single time—what is your 2021 flag plant? Your boldest prediction that you absolutely believe in? The guy that Scott Barrett, with his beard and all, says this is my favorite player for the 21 2021 season. Who is it?
0: Yeah, again, it, it always is price dependent. Uh, your your flag plant is someone I very easily could have said, um, and and there's there's quite a few guys. Uh, I will say, right now, you know, I keep hyping him up, the the beat writers keep hyping him up, but the ADP is still stupid low, and that's Elijah Moore at wide receiver 60. Uh, I think he has a, a, a really good chance of being, you know, sort of this year's version of Justin Jefferson, although that's not fair because that was just such a freak outlier, um, But but yeah, I mean, I just really believe in the player, I really believe in the talent, I believe in the situation. Uh, the clear established rapport he's already showing with Zach Wilson. I think he's going to, at the very least, be uh, the wide receiver one for the Jets and ideally finish as a high-end wide receiver two, maybe maybe even better. Who knows? But uh, yeah, Elijah Moore wide receiver 60 is just like easy, easy, stupid profit uh, and uh, a smash value.
1: I love that. Uh, I love, uh, I love Elijah Moore. Um, I've loved every single thing I've read about him. And he's a guy that I've been talking about as well, that I think is just undervalued at this point, especially with all the hype that he's getting. And like you said, talent situation, everything. And you could also be like, Oh, well, the old, old miss wide receiver, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown vibes. No, he's not the same player, but I think the upside is very interesting. But real quick, if I can ask you, you said my, my flag plants a guy that you totally believe in. That's Jalen hurts. Um, people know that. Why what are the biggest reasons that you believe in Jalen Hurts? People hear me talk about it endlessly, but why why are you in on Jalen Hurts?
0: Uh yeah, I mean it's it's just ah, uh, you know, again, the Konami code is so massively important. And just look at what he did last year. Uh the, the stats are incredible. So he averaged 24.8 fantasy points per four quarters. Or 25.9 fantasy points per game in games started and finished. Um, for perspective, those numbers would rank either eighth best or fifth best all time. Um, you know, wow. 11.3 rushing fantasy points per four quarters, uh, 9.9 rushing fantasy points per game started and finished. That's just a massive, massive floor uh, thanks to the Konami code. Uh, and if you look at the college numbers, all it does is just points to hey this guy could be special the top five seasons uh by power five quarterbacks and fantasy points per game it goes lamar lamar johnny manzel patrick mahomes jalen hurts uh 2019 and then look at the offense you know devonta smith uh should really help uh they had one of the worst most injury depleted receiving cores in the league last year Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham were two of the team's top three most targeted receivers. Dallas Goddard injured, Jalen Rieger injured, Deshaun Jackson injured. Uh, so there's just a lot to like and a, a lot of opti- optimism there. He's being drafted, what, QB9? Yeah. And, and like you said, or QB10, I think he has better odds of um, finishing as the overall QB1 than finishing as a QB2 on a fantasy point-per-start basis.
1: Wow, I love love the take. I mean, I love him. Like you talk about the Konami guys and just guys that have the rushing upside. And I think it's all there. And I think that right now, I mean, we're gonna see a similar thing to Lamar Jackson. People bashing on Lamar for his weapons in twenty nineteen. I mean, his passing, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, like I think that this offense is gonna be a lot better, especially with all the offensive linemen they lost and everything. He did last year without the offensive line and without any good weapons. He still produced so highly, and I think that's going to continue this year. But, Scott, that is it for today. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you, you want to plug or you want the listeners to know before you get out of here?
0: Uh, yeah, you, if you like uh, the analysis I brought, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB or subscribe to my website, FantasyPoints.com. That's about it.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope to have you on sometime again. And for anyone, thank you so much for listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This has been another episode today. Um, And I hope that at the end of the day, no matter what we're doing in our life, in this crazy world we live in, that we are all just trying to get a little bit better every single day.